0: Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmsted, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. I have a special guest today. Her name is Teresa Rinker. She's the Regional Director, Pacific Northwest Region, for Healing Hearts Ministries International. Teresa, welcome to Heart of the City.
1: Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Well,
0: we're sitting here in a beautiful location. We're we're in Kameno uh, Chapel here on Kameno Island, and we're looking out over Puget Sound. It's a beautiful day, and the sun's shining, and... uh, we have an opportunity to hear your story and hear uh, more about uh, Healing Hearts International. So, uh, you live in the Skagit Valley in the I Burlington do. Another area, beautiful place. Another beautiful uh, uh, area. So, tell me about uh, your life. I always, mm-hmm. as we were talking before the recording, is and that is I like for this uh, program for people to share kind of the backstory of how they came to faith, sure. and then how uh, that experience with the Lord brought you into. Uh, your, your current uh, ministry. So tell me about you.
1: Okay. Well, I'd like to start with I'm married to my husband for 42 years. We wow. have three adult children and they have gifted us with 11 grandchildren. Never thought that would happen, but it's quite the wild ride. Yeah. And loving life. It's Ooh. really wonderful. Um, my husband and I actually grew up together. We were, um, he, he was my brother's best friend Actually, the only decent guy my brother ever brought home. <laughs> and um, we grew up in the same elementary school. And uh, when I was first in high school, we um, started noticing each other. And um, at that point, became very dear friends. We were not believers, neither one of us from a believing home. But we kind of found our way together because we were the only kids in our group of kids that weren't doing drugs weren't smoking and drinking and we kind of found each other and there mm. was, there was a, a good relationship there Yeah, and uh, weathered all those teen years. And in high school, I would say we would probably be voted the couple most likely to, and you can <laughs> fill in the blank, whatever <laughs> uh-huh, that is. Uh-huh. And went on to um, be engaged my senior year, went on to be married a year later. So we were very young, but we'd been together and been dear friends for about five years. And, um, I was intent on building a perfect life. I wanted the house. I wanted the children. I wanted the white picket fence. I wanted to stay home, be a stay-at-home mom. And I was very happy to um, move into what I thought would become this perfect life. And really what I was looking for was to um, feel like I was okay. Mm. Uh, having come from a family where th- it was not a believing family where there were a lot of issues a lot of um immoral issues and things like that and I just was so desperate to build a almost like a utopic life and I thought I could do that um, mm. because I found a really good man <laughs> and um, so we got married we did that we bought our first home we had our first child and i was I thought this is it. We have everything but the but the picket fence, and Mm -hmm. then my husband built a picket fence, and I loved my life and I was very happy. And in the about the so our son was two years old, and I just noticed that my husband was really um, getting quiet, and I didn't really know what that meant. He was just seemingly. We men tend to do that. Yeah, don't we? how about that? <laughs> <laughs> just seemingly more quiet and and I would say distant. And mm. I think distance in a marriage when you don't understand it is very scary, for someone who has built this perfect life mm. on the outside. And um, so what I came to find out was or find out was that he was um, falling into a relationship with someone at work who was also a very dear friend of ours. And they also happened to work together all day long. And so this was a huge crisis for him. And it was a huge crisis for me. And he was really... um, He's a good man. And it was... um, He was feeling feelings he wasn't prepared for. Mm -hmm. And he started asking questions like, Did I ever love you? I know you're my best friend. But I'm not sure I'm... Because we really had been raised together. Mm -hmm. And um, so that crisis came into our home and into our lives, and it was at the time that he was um, really questioning what he would do. Am I going to leave the marriage and pursue this relationship with this woman, or I'm going to stay in the marriage? That was his, those were the things that he was thinking about. Meanwhile, I was just beyond frightened and of thinking, I don't have a job. I have no education post high school. Um, I have a child. I really want to be home with my child. What does this look like? What's happening? And was really terrified. And, um, through that process, um, came to find out that I was pregnant and, um, much of my testimony also leads into why I do what I do today. Mm. And, um, know I'll never forget the day he came home and said, I've made my decision. And we sat down at the table, and he told me that he had decided to leave the marriage and to pursue a relationship with this um, other person. And my news for him was, I took a pregnancy test today and found out I'm going to have a baby. And his response was, no, you can't have a baby. I just made my mind up. I just made my decision, and as I said, he was—he was a good man. He was a kind man. He was a good provider, um, which is, I think, made it all the more difficult. Sometimes it's easier to hate a scoundrel. Uh,
0: I was—I was just thinking that mm-hmm. it would have been much easier, yeah. wouldn't it? If you
1: so yeah. I would say I had always, coming from the the home that I came from, um, I had an older brother, a year and a half older than me, that got into a lot of trouble. And one of the things that did for me was to become this, quote, perfect person, Mm -hmm. did not want to give my parents any problems. And so I really went from um, obeying my parents to the nth degree into a marriage where I obeyed my husband to the nth degree. Now, I want to, to clarify that. He didn't hold a gun to my head. And make me force me to have an abortion but the the fear the anxiety the betrayal the um, anguish all of the things that were that were all cumulating in that time in my emotional makeup as well as being newly pregnant which is mm-hmm. another thing that causes your brain to go into a blender um, I obeyed him and um, so he suggested it he did and didn't demand it, but said, we are going to have an abortion. And so um, made my appointment at Planned Parenthood. And um, I think at that time, when I look back at, at who I am, who I was then, who I am now, um, it was very robotic. I think that I was completely shut down mm. emotional, emotionally and um, moved forward in that. In you that had to action. shut down, though, yeah, didn't you? Absolutely. To even make that choice. Yeah. You really have to. Yeah. yeah so there
0: wasn't really any kind of a a foundation in your life as far as values in that sense was there
1: not at all and because of that you never really make up your mind about what you believe about things Mm -hmm. and you have to remember Roe v. Wade was in 1973 so I was a sophomore in high school when that became um, legal and yet it had never touched my life I had never given one thought to abortion whether it was right or whether it was wrong Um, I would say, you know, if we were the couple most likely to, I would also be the person most likely not to have an abortion because um, I'm very nurturing by nature. I, I helped raise my little brother and sister. I loved kids. I babysat all through high school, even college. Ran a daycare in my home for years. I love kids, and I love other people's kids as well. So you could say I wasn't necessarily in the what the stigma of what of the kind of women we think have abortions, hmm. and yet I did that very thing, so we um, chose to end the life of our child and I would say the hardest thing about that event other than the trauma of that event, which was very traumatic, um, leaving the clinic and and getting in the car to leave, I knew I was a different person and one thought was if there is a God I'm gonna be struck dead like I'm in big trouble Mm. and my next thought was that for the first time I hated my husband and where there had only been friendship and love before now there was hatred and um, that that was tough that was really difficult so he left the marriage I moved uh, we sold our home, I moved home with my son, with my parents. Um, I could be a wreck because everybody knew about the pending divorce, but no one knew about the abortion that 's what I
0: was going to ask. Yeah. Did anyone know besides no you knew. and no. and the and, your and it husband? was
1: something that I thought I would take to my to my death without ever telling another soul, and you know we know God yeah, yeah. has other ways, but um So it was probably only a few weeks. I don't even think it was a few weeks. I I think it was less than a week. I got a phone call from him saying, I have made a horrible mistake. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know how I thought this was okay to leave my wife and my child. But I want to come back. I want to come home. And I was a woman who, when I took my vows, I meant them. Mm-hmm. I wanted that marriage to succeed, and I believed those vows, which I think hugely worked in our favor. But when I hung up the phone, as much as there was this tiny little spark of hope, I thought I have killed my baby for nothing. Mm. Now you want to come back, but that baby is gone. And I'm sitting here in all of the grief and the sorrow and the self-hatred and the self-loathing. And by the way, I hate you. <laughs> I mean, really, that's mm-hmm. that's where I was. But he did come back, and it took several months of us just... Um, Working things out, but we really both wanted the marriage to succeed, which is an absolute testimony to the Lord. Though we did not know Him, He knew us. Wow! And, I mean,
0: I, I see that in yeah. the, as from the natural point of view. As if you were Christians, of course, you would have probably made you could yeah. have made other decisions, but Maybe. yet without that foundation yeah. for you to be, you guys to be able to work that out yeah, without the miracle. Lord, that is God. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is His
1: grace and His mercy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So when we um, got back together several months later, um, of course the first thing on my mind was, we've got to have another baby, and it's that what one of the things that we call atonement baby. It's this. Oh, I need another chance to do this right, and and it fills that place where that child was ripped from your body it, it and there's such emptiness there and you know that you in part cause that and the grief and all of that stuff you don't stop and examine that you just keep moving through life and so we got pregnant fairly soon after that and I would say a whole new set of things started at that point like incredible fear that something was going to happen to this mm, baby yeah God's going to judge absolutely. you absolutely yeah. and yeah. I deserve that and I almost welcomed it because I felt so horrible, hmm. and that was the state that we that we were in when um, someone first shared the gospel with us, hmm. and it was a childhood friend of my husband's who we had lost track of, and during those teen years and young adult years, she had come to the Lord and had uh, crashed a wedding. She had come to a wedding that we were at, and uh, the Lord impressed upon her heart that that was why she was there, was to share the gospel with us. So that process happened. And
0: Hmm. Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmsted and my guest today is Teresa Rinker with Healing Hearts Ministries International, sharing her story. So what happens next?
1: So um, she began reaching out to us immediately, and she lived in Portland, and we lived in Seattle. And so um, she came up several weekends in a row and just began getting to know us again. And, you know, at that point, we had the um, infidelity, we had the betrayal, we had the... um, Uh, you know, just the, the absence of time when he was away from our family, we had the trauma with our child, our living child. We had the abortion trauma. I mean, it was a big, fat, ugly mess. Yeah. And Jesus just kept walking through our door Mm. and just kept um, sharing, you know, the good news of who he was and what he had done. And I, I remember thinking I had always really wanted to walk with the Lord. Um, My friend, when we were 13, my bosom friend from kindergarten, had, we had gone to this youth group together. We never heard the gospel there. It was I never heard the name Jesus in this church, but we went to youth group. Mm-hmm. But one night, she went to youth group, and I didn't. And there was a group that came in, and she heard the gospel, and she was saved. And I wanted that. And I couldn't seem to find it. I couldn't seem to get there. But I saw a difference in her. And so that had planted a seed in me for sure. And um, But after the abortion, I couldn't believe I wanted to believe the gospel, and I wanted to believe that Jesus was who, who she was telling me that He was, and that he had done what he had said he was, that, what she was telling me that he had done for me. And it was like I could believe in my human thinking, not biblical thinking, but human thinking, that um, he could, I, I could believe that he could die for every other thing I had done in 26 years. you know At, at one point he was a swear word in my life, and, and then he came, and now he's wanting to be lord Mm -hmm. and i could believe that he could die for the the other things but the abortion i just held apart and i just thought that is too ugly it is too wicked it is too because it was the the hugest regret i had as a woman and in part because women were created to bear and nurture it's part of how we're created and so not only it goes against the lord his plan, his plan for your family, his plan for that that child, the the fact that it glorifies him. These little creatures, you know, are made in his image. All of those things. But I was also created to bear and nurture, and so it goes against my own physiology as a woman. And that I'm telling you, it just messes you up. Yeah. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. Yeah. And it's very hard to get on the other side of that.
0: So you have this second child, mm-hmm. and so where was the? were you still living in the desire to show some sort of perfect world in your life? Or had that kind of crashed oh, by that then? that
1: crashed many <laughs> months before. Yeah,
0: that yeah. structure in your life had
1: yeah. kind of fallen apart. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, living in the pit will do that. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. hard. You can decorate it all you want, but Jesus Christ wants to lead you out of it. Right. Right. Yeah. So I may have been decorating it a little bit.
0: So I know this is your story, but mm-hmm. share. So what's your husband going through at that time?
1: You know, he knew who his wife was before the abortion and he knew who his wife was after. So it was very hard for him. And I think that through, I did not throw his guilt in his face because I quite early on started getting good Christian advice um, about letting the blood of Jesus be the blood of Jesus and letting it cover and not uncovering what the blood of Jesus has covered, mm-hmm. but um, he was a wreck, and, and he felt personally, horribly responsible for that, and, and took that and took the responsibility for that. And so he actually gave his heart to the Lord before I did. Mm. And um, I was a bit of a holdout. Um, but by that time we st- had started, um, she had suggested that we would start attending church, mm-hmm. which we did, and yeah. so we were again hearing good Bible church. But I can tell you, um, in that church of literally two thousand five hundred people, I thought I was the only one that had had an abortion, which is, is a ridiculous thought, but that that was my thought right. and um, so really, the first year that we were there in a, in a Christian church um, and even after coming to the Lord. And uh, receiving salvation, um, I still lived in absolute condemnation, self hatred. Um, there was a lot of unforgiveness towards him, um, just very deep bitterness. Um, uh, there are ramifications in the marriage. Ram- we saw, you know, ramifications in our child, our living child that that was, you know, the older brother mm-hmm. um, when we had when we chose abortion for our second child, and and certainly my parenting was absolutely affected. Um, I was a helicopter parent extraordinaire, and literally would not even let my five foot tall son walk to the bus stop by himself. Like, just fear, just fear, fear was just ruling and reigning. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't know God and the character of God. Yeah, yeah. And his, um, I didn't know his word. So,
0: well, so when did you decide to begin? Sharing your story about this—the thing that you know—I always, when I'm doing these kinds of interviews, I always, I'm always in, 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 interested in how the person's telling their story. Mm-hmm. And the reality is you're sharing a pain that was in your life, a mm-hmm. deep wound in your life. And I always see it as a scar. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that, that story Absolutely. will always be a scar in mm-hmm. your life. But uh, you can touch a scar and it is no longer painful. Right. And so exactly. you can share about your husband. Mm-hmm. You can share about betrayal. Mm-hmm. You can share about the pain and sh- even shed tears about it, right. recognizing that, that when the Lord has truly healed you yeah. it is a scar that is always mm-hmm. in your life but I will always st-
1: be a woman who's had an abortion right. but it does not define me and nor is it my yeah. identity yeah mm-hmm. and
0: expand on that a little bit because yeah. I-, I think there are people that are listening today that need to hear that message really clearly
1: mm-hmm. and I think that is one of the things that really sets us apart as a ministry and I can just tell you really quickly um, when I was at a Wednesday night service at my church my, in my own business Sue Lillgenberg walked in the door and she's the executive director of Healing Hearts, and um, she shared five minutes on abortion, and within a week, I was in a class, and it was the very first Bible study I ever did, and within 10 weeks, I can say I was radically healed um, of the pain, and my mind was radically set right to the truth of the Word of God, which is what set me free, hmm. and I was free then to love God and be loved by God. To love my husband and be loved by my husband and experience some uh, fruit again, uh, almost, almost with a new marriage rather than an old marriage that yeah. we were trying desperately to fix.
0: Yeah. And um, and it really does happen through the, the washing of the word in your mind, doesn't Absolutely. it? I mean, the renewal of your mm-hmm. mind, because um, you can keep going back into your mind, uh, those that have had if you will, egregious sins, yes. if you want to call it that. Absolutely. And, and you can go back and dwell on that and live in that shame. But when the Lord begins to renew your mind uh, and, and restore your soul. Yeah, yeah. as only a, he can. That's Psalm right. 23. It's, it's very true. That's right. So we've got a few minutes left. So okay. tell me about uh, Healing Hearts mm. and what you do.
1: Well, Healing Hearts started here 35 years ago. Uh, it was starting right about the time I think I was one of their first guinea pigs, <laughs> so to speak, um, by a woman who had an abortion and was tr- looking for help and couldn't find it, but the Lord healed her. And so, um, she began this ministry and the Lord instructed her, write down what I did for you, write down how I healed you. And so we started with, uh, our ministry then. And at that time we were a post-abortion ministry. Absolutely. That was all that we, that was all that we did at that time was post-abortion biblical counseling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then since that time, about 10 years ago, we've had many, many pastors over the last 30 years say, wow, this is amazing. Like, look what you've done to these women. Like, what are you doing? Like, they want to know more because they see the fruit. They see the freedom. They see these women return after 10, 11 weeks of walking with another woman. And they see the the change. And then they start to come to you and say, what did you do? And these pastors start saying, wait a minute, we need what? You know, what you're offering to post abortive women for women who haven't had abortions, because there are a lot of other women who certainly have other, um, you know, hard, hard issues in their life. And so we have um, a second Bible study for women called The Hem of His Garment mm. that is, I would say, by and large, one of the best discipleship studies I've ever read. And we use it with all the women in our church, not just um, women who have real difficult paths, but um, any, any type of discipleship that's necessary.
0: Well, Teresa, we've got uh, about a minute left, mm-hmm. and I want people, I'm sure that there are people, uh, women especially, that are listening to you today mm-hmm. that need to talk to you. <laughs> They're like, yeah. I got to talk to this girl. So how do they reach you? Mm-hmm. What's the best way to do that? How do they get a hold of the okay. of Healing Hearts?
1: Best thing to do would be to go to our website, www.healinghearts.org, and you will um, easily locate me. I'm the Pacific Northwest Director. There's a link right there. Um, You can see all of our Bible studies that we offer. We don't just offer uh, two studies for the women, the post-abortive and non-post-abortive. We also have a men's study for post-abortion as well because men are affected deeply by this issue.
0: I'm sure Mm they—well, that could be a whole other program, I know. It should be a program. (laughs) Because, um, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. men have to deal with the same issue. It's not just a woman's issue at all, at all. And so um, wrap us up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be your word of encouragement today to those that are struggling with this issue? My word of
1: encouragement is uh, many times we associate um, salvation with healing, and they're very different things. They're very different. There is a measure of healing that comes with salvation for sure, but healing is a, is a deliberate um, act of saying to the Lord, I need help, and then getting to the people that will give you his word or getting to the word because God said he sent forth forth his word and his word heals. And so um, I would just say you don't have to stay in this fear and you don't have to stay in the self-loathing and the self-harm or whatever way your abortion has played out in your life. Um, But there is healing and there is hope. And um, it comes through God's word and groups of individuals who are biblically trained that can help you to heal and to move through that experience and also past that experience.
0: Well, it's Healing Heart Ministries, and we've been with Teresa Rinker today. And the website is HealingHearts.org. Teresa, thank you for joining me today. God bless. You've been listening to this 820 AM, The Word, special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmsted, 206-269-6216, or go to TheWordSeattle.com.